Every time we travel as ag teachers, we leave a chunk of students behind. What happens to those students that are left with substitute teachers during contest season? Join us as we discuss this topic. Welcome to Alpellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Alpellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Welcome back, Alpellets fans. We're in uh, uh, Anaheim, California, visiting uh, with uh, the ag teachers as part of the NAAE conference. And uh, we have a chance to sit around the table and have a conversation about uh, our students. And uh, it's kind of ironic that we're having a conversation about leaving students behind <laughs> because we have a room full of about 30 or 35 uh, teachers that are sitting at a conference on a Thursday. And uh, we probably have students back in our classrooms or back in our programs uh, doing their things with uh, substitutes or uh, second teachers and those kind of things. But uh, that brings up the conversation about um, leaving students behind. Um, ag teachers have many, many roles, as we know. We've talked a lot about those from preparing teachers, going to contests, going to activities and events, taking students to shows um, uh, and other activities that uh, – take us out of the classroom from time to time. And the research would show that uh, with teacher absenteeism or teachers not being in the classroom, that student achievement declines. And uh, even that research would, would show on average, um, and, uh, teachers miss anywhere from five to 6% of uh, an academic year because of various responsibilities and expectations. And that's probably on the low side um, and that's an average teacher, uh, Karen, not, uh, not, not maybe the typical life teacher. So even on 180 days, uh, that's anywhere from nine to 11 days of classroom time just for a typical teacher. Um, and then if you're looking at developing countries, it could be anywhere from 40 to 50% of the time that teachers are missing uh, for various uh, reasons. So but let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, does that give anyone in here heartburn? that uh, we're, we're taking maybe four to six or maybe even just a suburban uh, full of students out and we're giving them a great experience and, and, and they're learning a lot, but uh, that's a small proportion of the students that are left in the classroom to kind of maybe a lot of time spend for themselves. I know we get busy and we probably don't have ideal lesson plans at times or the uh, lessons kind of get uh, interrupted and, and uh, what we're trying to teach may be a little uh, herky-jerky and a little bit hard for students to understand because we lack that continuity. So what's some uh, um, expectations or what, what, how do, how do you guys feel about uh, those expectations and, and leaving students in the classroom when you're gone? All right. What, uh, the example that comes to mind right away is that I remember um, I, Felt very confident when I put sub plans together and like yeah, I've got everything well explained and it's going to go great and and I you know talk to the sub ahead of time and say yeah this is how things are going to work and like oh yeah I'm, I'm right on board 
And then after three days, they get back and the student's like, Mr. Schmidt, what the heck were you expecting? We had no idea what was going on and the sub couldn't help us. And so I thought, dang, what do I got to do? And so one thing I started doing was flipping and by actually recording myself and having video messages for my students to kind of walk through the experience of what it was. So it was kind of that face-to-face contact so that it's like, yeah, I'm still with you guys and <laughs> dropping my own little jokes and schmidisms. Students are good at playing the pit in those games, right? They yes. got the teacher versus the sub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. He's never talked about this before. And yes. It was just the day before that uh, we were talking about those things. So that can be the challenge to make sure that everybody stays on the same page and students are playing those games. But flipping the classroom is a good idea. I put a lot of responsibility back on my kids. I, um, when I start out my classes, I hit two things really um, strongly. First, I talk about safety. If something happens in my classroom, you need to understand how to take care of yourself. So I might not know where my eyewash is, but you do know. So I hit those hard. But then I also hit where are my supplies because not knowing where a pipette is might derail my whole class. Mm-hmm. And so I want them to be able to be able to find my Lab class, know where the probes are at, so that in case the sub is like, well, she didn't pull out the temperature probes, where are they? Then my kids have that knowledge, and, and they know my expectations, that when I'm gone, you know where that is, you can't play the, no, I didn't know, um, and so I do put a lot of responsibility back on the kids that they are the people that are there every day with me, that, um, you know, you need to treat that sub like they're the guests, and you need to show them and be courteous, and I, that's a lot of buildup that I do uh, in the beginning of, of the year. One of the things with me is it's it all goes back to the, the student focus of all those things and and um, but at the end of the day it's all about the relationships um, and so I had a great relationship with the kids at, at my school and at the end of the day I tell them you and your actions are direct reflection upon me um, and so if if you're acting like knuckleheads. It's, it's going to get back, and, and we're all going to look bad, but if things go good and we have, a, you know, if you guys have a good time, if you perform well, it's going to make us all look good. And so the, the student buy-in cannot be oversold here. Uh, two things that I find value when I'm away from the classroom is, one, I'm usually out with um, at a PD conference with peers or colleagues, and it's nice to see them and kind of break down what issues we're going through and bounce ideas off of each other and come back to the classroom refreshed. And then when I'm gone with students, it's really cool to bring back their experiences and their wins and see that excite the classroom and want to get them more engaged. So I find it extremely valuable to be out of the classroom for um, either PD or student experiences. We can certainly circle back to some of those things, but you bring up a good a good point, and I think it was one of the questions that I had for everybody. So what's the cost-benefit aspects of being out of the classroom? You know, is it is it a truly a benefit for everybody, or is it really at the cost of the majority of the students that uh, you have? So I, you know, I, I thought about that a lot, having just gone through the chairs of leadership in, in my state, because that requires a lot of time out, and then... And then on top of that, with contest time, um, is is where do you make the biggest impact? I I took it as a micro versus macro approach. Is is you make an impact on all the kids all the time, and so if you're making the most impact you can every single day, 
And then you get buy-in from certain kids to go and do the extra. It should be worth your time to make the impact and those kids the extra amount because who knows what that impact could mean. Um, and, and there's several examples. I know all of us in here have, have seen them, you know, kids from really, really bad homes to say the least. Um, and they need that relationship and that little bit of extra, even though we don't see it, can make a huge impact. Um, I was just going to say that being out of your classroom is worth it when the kids that are with you come back and just rave about how fantastic it was. You can tell kids until you're blue in the face how fun every day is, but when you have kids coming back, oh my gosh, Miss Corbett was absolutely crazy. We almost hit some sidewalk or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> anyways, I mean, those stories make it back, and they're like, oh, I want to go and have fun like that. And I think that um, student buy-in definitely increases with those crazy stories, even if it's just going out to get ice cream. Um, but it is difficult if you have someone left in your classroom that maybe doesn't do what you're asking. Um, this last time I was out of my classroom, I had a sub leave my students for 20 minutes for a smoke break. Oh, man. So, I mean, I think that there's definitely, like, yes, student buy-in, but also, <laughs> what are you leaving? Um, at, at least the sub didn't take any students. Right, right, I mean, that's really <laughs> 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 I think it's hard too, depending on your school district. I know my school district really struggles to get subs. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times it's just they take over they can get. Um, I've had the sub come in and literally not read or show the students what they were supposed to do. Um, and I come back the next day and they're all like, yeah, we had no idea that that's what you had said because they basically told us a story the whole time. They just talked to us. They were just, I mean, I guess they had an engaging conversation a lot of times, but they didn't instruct them what they were supposed to do. And so if you're in a, a situation where your school's just like scraping the barrel for subs, that kind of does put you at a disadvantage no matter how well prepared you are because um, it may just be one of those survive the day kind of situations. Okay. I also think when we talk about that cost benefit analysis, it's important to think of like we have all been probably if we were the bank job, we would have called in sick, but because we didn't want to write lesson plans, we show up anyways, we just get through the day. But if you take something like attending NAAE, which we don't have kids, so every single one of our kids <laughs> is at home with the sub right now. But if we don't take time away from that, then we miss out on this opportunity that might keep us in teaching another day, right? Might keep us in the profession longer. And so that is very rewarding. But I also think that you're going to get out of it what you put into it, right? Because there are some people who probably don't take the best um, advantage of things when they come to events like this, but what you get out, what you put in. I, what sold me about teaching agriculture was the relationship I formed with my ag teachers. Um, we call it window shield time. And just having those conversations that you know, at school, there's kind of this wall that tends to get me built up and going on those traveling events, man, those come down and, and you're able to be a lot more real, it seems like, and students are a lot more real and willing to talk to you and huge. I was just going to go back just a little bit with prepping the, the students for when you are gone. I have been started doing recently pre-teaching my students, so I've got an activity that I know is going to take a couple days, and those are the days that I'm on, but the students can totally work independently. If I pre-teach them, 
you will be doing this on your own. Let's see what this looks like on your own. What questions do you have right now? And try to get them to work through that. And then also pre-teach them, if you get stuck, how do you handle that? Do you go talk to another student? <clears throat> Most of the time, like someone else said, the subs don't know what's going on. The students know what's going on. So if you can kind of give them a heads up what's coming up, show them, pre-teach, Things tend to go a little bit better. That's one of the strategies I like to use. And, and so, like, um, all my students this entire week, they got completely independent projects. And usually about once a year, and it's usually at the beginning of the year, something goes sideways while I'm gone. And the biggest thing that I do, and it, it's worked for me for the past five years um, since I started doing it, is the very first words out of my mouth when I get back is, I am sorry. I should have instructed you better. Um, I'm completely taking blame for this. And so what do I need to do from now on to make it so I don't make that mistake again? And then it completely throws the kids off. It's so funny to see their faces because they're dumbfounded. They never heard that before in their lives. And so um, it, you get super buy-in from them and it just makes them realize Oh, he cares about us. He's not going to chew us out when he gets back. Let's let's try to do better next time. Using a lot of technology that's available is super important. Our, our district has really started focusing on. We use uh, Canvas, uh, but I know Google Classroom, other things are out there. And uh, this week, um, in a lot of ways, I've been almost able to surf, almost like I'm in my classroom. I've had students messaging me. Um, we've had. I set up a couple of in-class discussions where I was able to engage with them, like I was sitting in class, having that discussion with them. Uh, and so using some of those tools has been very um, powerful to keep things going in the direction we need to. To piggyback off the technology thing, I, this is a very specific site, but like, you know, traditionally, like, oh, just push play it and let them watch a video or something. But, um, there's something called Edpuzzle, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but um, basically you can link a video on Edpuzzle and then you put in like questions throughout the course of the video so the student has to watch and they cannot move on in the video until they answer that particular question. So it, you can almost make it an assessment if you wanted to have a very, you know, in-depth essay type question or you can go multiple choice or whatever. Um, but that's one of those things that takes the, uh, a, a traditional thing you do on, you know, a sub day and adds kind of a modern twist to it that actually is meaningful for students if they have access to just a pair of uh, headphones or the computer. So. Yeah. Um, I just want to say I know I struggle with thinking um, about how many students I'm going with. In my state, some of the things that we do, we don't take as many students, maybe only two or three. And then I'm literally leaving so many behind. It's community, it's the school expectation. Um, they want me there, they want me doing those types of things with those students. Uh, but sometimes I really try to encourage uh, the parent to take those students, especially when I'm looking at my entire calendar year, I keep track of how many days I'm gone, that it's looking like I've got a lot of days gone. I'm just trying to find a balance where I'm not taking away from that student's opportunity. <clears throat> but I'm not leaving those kiddos in the classroom um, and everyone's still benefiting with that overall balance of my time and energy and what we're doing. Yeah, we've talked about balance, but, uh, and we've, we've got some strategies, but how much is too much? I know no one in here would have ever done it except for probably me when I was teaching, but I'm going to use the days out of class as kind of a badge of honor. 
or you have friends or, or fellow teachers that, oh, man, I missed X number of days throughout the, the year being gone with kids. Isn't that great that you're out of the classroom so much and, and kind of flip that. So, you know, what, how do you, how do you manage that? And at what, what time, at what point have you reached that tipping point that, you know, I probably, or so-and-so who's talking about it this way is kind of overdid it. And is it at the detriment of the students? I think there's some contingency on this, but depending on what our contracts are, how our school's set up, if, if we might be part of a school system where FFA is an expectation for all students or it's affiliated, that may change the role or dynamic. In, in my situation, FFA was an additional contract. So for me, it was my number one job is to be an ag teacher. And so as it was mentioned back there, it's like, yeah, what can I do? Because there's 200 kids back at school versus the five or 10 that are going, those 200 are way more important than the other five. So getting, getting others to help and, and step up. I taught at a school with 40 kids, seventh through 12th grade. And there was a few contests early on that I used as um, a recruitment tool. We had dairy judging and I took 36 of the 38 kids, <laughs> which was awesome because everybody else got, you know, the two had no school. <laughs> so I guess that's one way, just take the whole school. <laughs> Problem solved. I think another way to look at it too would be, at least I'm talking for myself personally, sometimes I get frustrated sometimes when, you know, the last period of the day, the entire wrestling team, the entire football team is gone or something like that. I, I think you have to remember you're not the only program in the school and that you're part of a larger community of, of educators and students. Um, and I can't really answer the question as to what what, what quantitatively is enough or too much. Um, but I think if you put yourself in the shoes of your administrator or other teachers in the school and they're like, man, that, that student's gone you know, 80% of the time for an FFA event, I think you almost in some ways start to undermine your own program because then you create this bitterness towards you or resentment towards you from other, other staff and colleagues. Yes. Add on to that, one of the things I noticed because I had to go through an internship and I was gone um, almost a third of the entire year. Um, and when I was coming back and realizing the time I spent away, the students were starting to get away from my classroom norms because the subs or whoever, because I was gone so much and, and the routine for getting followed, the classroom expectations for getting followed, that's when I knew I need to do the best I can to be back in the classroom. And that was one of the huge things for me. I think that obviously any day that we're not there is a bad day, right? No one's going to do it quite like we're doing it. So, my dad always tells me to ask why three times, and if you can't, if you, if you don't, if you can't answer it three times, then is it really worth it? So, why am I going? Answer that. Why? Why? If you can't answer why three times, then it's probably not a good idea. And I think that's a, that's true. Like, why are we going? What's the purpose of us going on this trip? What are we going to get from that? If you can't answer that and you should probably stay in your classroom or find someone else to take your students or One of the, uh, uh, part of the research will tell us um, that um, 
that um, this really has a significant impact on students that uh, um, may be low SEFs or even uh, low social economic status. Um, how do you how do you balance that when you know that uh, not only are you missing class and we know that uh, it, it, it could impact achievement, but also impact those students that are um, low SES? Has anybody given that any thought? So sometimes with like kids that are involved in sports, if they're doing pretty bad in my class, I go to their coach and then it kind of goes back the other way. Sometimes the kid, the teachers that know that my, that the kids are greatly involved in our program and they know that, you know, they're trying to go on a trip. They will also reach out to me to say, Hey, this is going on with this kid. Is everything going okay? I know they have a trip. Do they need to go? And then if not, I totally respect what they say and I make sure that kid is there and in the classroom after school doing what they need to do to make sure they're being successful in other classes as well. I mean, considering um, poverty, one of the more powerful things is the routine and consistency for those youth. And so um, if w whatever I can do to set up a more consistent routine for when I'm gone, when those students are in the classroom. So someone mentioned about like the planning ahead and maybe it's having the projects set up ahead of time or flipping the classroom. But also when those students are going on the trip, it's, it's going the extra mile to make sure they are on that trip. They are on that bus. If it means we're going out to their place and picking them up early in the morning, or if it means that we're making sure that there's some kind of sponsorship so that they got meals, or if we're packing a full cooler of deli meat and sandwich bread, so everyone's making sandwiches and we're not buying fast food because that was, you know, it's doing things that are they're accommodating and equitable for the students, so we meet them exactly where they're at in a very consistent way. I think he hit the nail on the head with that one. I, the school I teach at is kind of hitting close to home is 100% free and reduced lunch. Um, and, and that's exactly the strategies that, that I, I've implemented. Um, and, and one of the huge things that, that I've known that has made an impact um, in, in my teaching strategy so far. I was just gonna say, as far as grades, um, when I take kids to national convention, I set aside an hour in the morning for working on schoolwork. I tell them if you're going, and I tell the other my coworkers, um, you know, okay, what can they accomplish in an hour each day that we're gone, and how can I help them over their notes that I need in order to help them get through their assignments? And I think that was a lot easier um, for my coworkers to understand why I was taking kids and that I was willing and able to spend that hour of time with them each day. And yeah, we woke up a little earlier, but I think the kids definitely didn't fall as far behind. My coworkers definitely appreciated that uh, respect and the kids did too. So what are some strategies that uh, you think would work to either minimize the absenteeism um, or so that we can be in the classroom a little bit more or uh, ways in which we, and we've heard quite a few of those ideas, ways in which we can function within the classroom while we're gone to, to make it more beneficial so that it's, students are still achieving at a high rate and uh, we're, um, uh, all students can be successful, whether they're on uh, those trips and activities with us or if, we're, um, if they're back in the classroom with a substitute.
What other strategies do we have? We have, we have a, a two week long fair. And so um, I know our students get a, a lot of um, issues with their teachers. So we started to invite the teachers to come out and not just watch them, but also help uh, with tutoring with them. And if you can get it paid through your school as a day for them to go out there and help tutor, that is fantastic. Um, but if you can get some buy-in from them and get them to donate their time, if you can't get them paid, some of them will be willing to do that if you have a good relationship with them. And that's that's definitely worked for us. Planning, number one. Um, that's I. If I'm taking a group back to nationals, for us, that's five straight days out of class and probably most everybody else in here. And so six weeks out, uh, my students start planning ahead. And, and that means that I need to be six weeks to eight weeks out on getting them to plan ahead. And so getting that, that dedication from whatever students that you're going to be gone for such an amount of time and everybody's different um, and every school is different, but learning that about the area that you're in to be able to get work that far ahead of time and, and get them working ahead at least. Many years ago, I just made a decision that if my students aren't competing, or if it's not an outside group um, that's um, highly represented, then we don't do it. So right now, if my students leave school to go to competitions, they go help our state foundation with their annual ASK event. And we help our Game and Parks Commission at their local outdoor exploration day. Those, those are the times that we leave school. So if they're not competing, we're not going. So and I, that's really helped me. And this year, we have a new principal, and she has laid down the law that teachers don't leave. So when she called me in and said, you're gone this many days, then this is what it is. We, we compete these days. So if you want to take that opportunity away from students to compete and involvement for state for nationals, then that's on you. And it was a pretty easy conversation. She's like, okay. So I can see that these are very important days and you're not just going anywhere and everywhere. So that really is helpful. Um, I think it also, especially if you're in a small school setting, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had to leave before an awards ceremony because of sports practice. Um, I think you have to make those relationships, build those relationships with coaches, um, showing that you respect their time because then they turn around and respect your time. Um, in the high school that I attended, it was very much sports or FFA. And I was one of the kids that stuck into my basketball coach and was like, mm, both. <laughs> um, and so I tried not to force my kids into that decision. And I think at least that mutualistically um, respectful relationship helps. And if that means you skip awards for a couple things, like I guess it's just a trade off. That's a whole other area of conversation that uh, we certainly could have is around the idea that these students that are gone or traveling with us are also missing other classes. And how does that affect uh, their achievement in other classes and their success? And, and uh, how 
how do they, whether it's intended or unintended, are penalized by other uh, teachers and other programs, uh, whether it's curricular or extracurricular. Um, certainly our um, uh, ideas or, or challenges that students face too, and a whole other level of uh, absenteeism that we could talk about. But we certainly had a great uh, conversation, a lot of great ideas. Um, you know, as I heard a little bit about uh, technology uh, has really probably changed a lot about how we can manage those classrooms when we're gone. Um, uh, in the old stone age, when uh, we had to write on tablets uh, and leave uh, sub notes, it was a little bit harder, but certainly being able to flip the classroom or send an email with lesson plans or doing some of the pre-teaching that we talked about. Um, um, Edpuzzle, I think, was the name of the product that we talked a little bit about is another opportunity to uh, engage students while we're while we're gone, and, and make it kind of a win-win for the students that we're traveling with, as well as for the students that are back in the classroom. So, certainly uh, something that uh, ag teachers uh, struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis with uh, all of the different directions that we get pulled with responsibilities and and trying to give students opportunities and, and for us to get our own professional development. So, uh, thank you for the conversation, and uh, um, we're out. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.